0: The handoff,
1: Jeff Jones, he runs it around the near side, makes the man hit, he's got Peru, he's inside the 20, inside the 15, to 10, touchdown, down he's got That's a long drop, a little straight pass, number four, over the middle of the field, he's in the clear, He could to go all the way, and it is a touchdown, down and 11.24 we here in the first quarter, that strikes strike first. Three wide receivers to the far side, one on the near side, Paul takes the
0: snap of the shotgun, hands it off to Peru, he has the first down, and four. he inside the 10, five, touchdown. drill and a... Please tell me you saw that video of Mike Leach on Tuesday kind of discussing a Pac-12 mascot would be battle. I I agree
1: with Mike Leach. I, I feel like the buffalo is the superior of all of the animals, but the Coug, you know, you've always got to back the Coug, as, as Mike Leach says. Uh, he's a smart animal and he would pick his spots. Obviously, like he said, the tree, the Stafford tree is done. Somebody's going to chop it down and use it as a, as a weapon. But, uh, you know, I agree with it. Coach Drew Calls, to Grove. he was watching the video whenever, whenever I walked in and we, we had a good laugh about that. But uh, who would you pick, Pete? I would
0: pick the Sun Devil. The and, Sun Devil. But I have to agree with uh, with Leach on, we'd have to consort with a Harry Potter activist to kind of study and see what the mystical powers of a Sun Devil would be. I would think the Sun Devil would be somebody that would be able to just scorch the earth and scorch all the mascots.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to ask one of my Harry Potter students that, that loves Harry Potter, like, what does the Sun Devil do? If it was in a Harry Potter world, what would that thing do? <laughs> so we will get
0: answers. Man, Leach is a national treasure. That's he is all awesome. I have to say. He is awesome. Welcome to Sports 601 Podcast Season 1, Episode 5. I'm your host, James Pugh. I cover sports for Sports601.com and the Laurel Impact for Jasper, Jones, Smith, and Wayne County. And to my 12 o'clock is my co-host who covers sports for Sports601.com and the Hattiesburg Impact for Forrest, Lamar, and Covington County, Kevin Lindsay. Would I rather be here or what? Um... In- both.
1: I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. And we've got some really cool stuff this week. This yeah. week. Uh, you will be covering of the Sanderson Forums Championship? Yes. This fun is, stuff.
0: This is an event that I kind of circle on my calendar every year. It's one of uh, the best events that I, I go to during the year. Just kind of all around fun uh, to go and, and cover. And it kind of you know, not that I get tired of football season midway through it, but it just kind of breaks up the monotony of just kind of covering high school football, college football, and gives me a chance to, to get there out, get out there on the golf course, something, a sport that I enjoy myself. And it's just a great event every single year. Uh, there's some changes this year though, that are going to make the, uh, Sanderson farm championship PGA tour event uh, even more. Prestigious. Prestigious. There That's you That's the best word for it. Uh, you know, last year it was uh, in late October. I think this is one of the changes that I don't like as much. Uh, it was in late October last year. Of course, this year it's in late September. Uh, the heat's going to be a factor this year, so it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays into the tournament. I, I think I was telling my AP photographer friend earlier today, I think, you know, somebody who's. More accustomed to the heat, maybe a a golf golfers that are out, maybe out west, that are kind of used to this heat, Uh, may do well. Very, especially in the very beginning. Uh, Your players, you know, in in areas where they don't see heat like this, it's going to take them a few days to get accustomed to it. Um, So this is this is one of the changes that I don't like necessarily. Right. Um, But the other changes that are really great this year, obviously the purse has been up to 6.6 million. Last year it was 4.4. Since Sanderson Farm has kind of took over as a title sponsor for this event, the purse has kind of doubled. So you know they've they've made this uh, tournament uh, kind of stand out. Uh, over over the last couple years and and the changes that they've made. Uh, One thing that's also that's been changed is the winner gets an invitation to the masters. The winner gets 1.188 million. Dollars and also gets uh, 500 FedEx points. Uh, so those are some of the changes this year that kind of make this tournament more appealing, I guess, to the professional golfers. Right. Uh, let's kind of talk about what, what what it might take for someone to win the Sanderson Farms Championship. Let me get your take on this.
1: Well. I'm not as familiar with golf. I uh, haven't even been up there to the course. And I wanted to this year, just got here late, wasn't able to get credentialed. Uh, but from everything I understand, what you talk about, it takes a long drive. you gotta be able to yep. hit it. you got to be able to hit a long ways. And, you know, for me, I, I'm a big Bubba Watson fan whenever I watch golf. So, you know, that seems like that would play into something, you know, that, that he would like. So, um Want to understand? you have long drives, uh, getting on the green, things like that. You know, you talked about it too. Putting is important. Apparently, uh, it's real small, small yeah, area. The greens difficult. are
0: a bit small for for most tournaments, um, and the course is, is is pretty long. I think they said it was seven thousand two hundred forty-one yards right. total. Um, it's not the longest PGA Tour event course, but it, it's definitely up there. It's got the uh, features, the 16 hole, which is actually the seventh most difficult uh, hole outside of the majors on the tour. Um, I, I think I read somewhere where it said that, that only 8% of golfers kind of birdie that hole and 25% have a bogey or worst. Right. So there's a lot of things about the course that kind of make it stand out from the rest. Uh, not that the entire course is difficult, uh because i believe that there's you know there's a lot of leeway uh, on the fairways you know if you kind of i wouldn't say hook or slice but if you if you fade or draw it a little bit too much and it, and it goes in the pine straw or it goes off to the side you've got some wide open spaces to kind of you know make your approach shot a little bit better to kind of it's more forgiving let's right. just put it that way so uh it's like i said it's not not a Drastically difficult course, but but obviously it's pretty long, and you have to do well uh, with your drives. Uh, if you drive a long way, like the the winner last year, Cameron Champ uh, won it with a 21 under par, and the, and the reason he did so well is that he's one of the um, best uh, professional golfers as far as distance wise, and and he was able to use that to his advantage last year, and that helped him out to uh, win. Obviously, you know if you look over the past couple of years. You're going to have to score in the high teens, uh, maybe even the low 20s to be able to win this tournament. you you got to be a, a, a golfer who can get in a, in a rhythm of, of shooting birdies yeah, and have several of them in a row. Uh, if you're if you can get hot like that you can do well at this course because obviously it's going to take a lot of birdies to win right because champ
1: won this with a
0: 2100
1: par last year yep. right and he kind of pulled away i believe he won it by four strokes yep. so you know been looking up uh who are the odds odds on favorites to win i know you've got some names to to look at uh who do you think is going to
0: be uh, a pick? some of the guys that i kind of I've just kind of read over them all, and I won't mention them all. Uh, there's two guys to me that stand out that I, I think has maybe the best shot or, or guys that I would pick as my odds-on favorite to win it, and that's uh, Corey Connors last year came into second place. Um, I believe he shot 17 under for the tournament, I think. So uh, I think he's a, he's a golfer that's been able to find his rhythm on this course. He kind of knows what to expect. So he's, he's a guy that's also doing pretty well at this point in time um in the tour so i think he's a guy that would do very well if not win it and another one i'm kind of kind of watching kind of looking at is uh, lucas glover um, he's <laughs> another guy that, that's kind of done well at times at this course and he's kind of on a hot street right now he's, he's another guy that, that people are saying is kind of an odds on favorite to win and, and i would have to agree with that uh who were some of the guys that, that you read that would be
1: eyes on paper. Yeah, so I read up on CBS Sports. I know you read on. Uh, the PGA staff writers' picks, uh, but CBS Sports they used uh, SportsLine, which they uh, basically have models and uh, they go through simulations. And they went through about ten thousand simulations to come up with some of their picks. And uh, Scott Scheffler was a was a big pick uh, to to place in the top five, top ten. Uh, Brant Snedeker uh, was another one. Uh, Jordan Neiman who just won. He just won on a, uh, an event. Uh, he's Yeah, yeah. He's actually the per betting lines, if you want to talk that, he's 12 to 1 odds. Uh, obviously, coming off that win, um, it, it makes his odds a little bit better. So, But, you know, I think looking through, I'm kind of like you. Uh, I feel like Lucas Glover has a chance to win this thing. and Obviously, Cameron Champs back in it. You know,
0: won it last year. He could definitely win it again. Yeah. Yeah, he's – I don't think he's doing that well at this point in time. Um, obviously, his drives are going to help him help right. him out this year again. Uh, so, he could, you know, go on a run. It, it, usually, guys that win it one year don't win it the next year. Yeah. It's just kind of been a common theme. So, um, he, like I said, he could win it, but uh, just not playing his best golf. At this point in time, you know, Neiman, we mentioned he's the odds on favorite to win it, but you know, he won last week at Green bar and typically players that, that win it one week and play the next week usually don't do all that well. Right. They usually, you know, they have a lot of obligations after winning. You've got, you know, appearances on radio shows, podcasts, media events, you know, this and that. You don't really have a time to recuperate get in a little practice you know as you would had you not won so i know they have him the odds on favorite to win it i I just don't see that just based on you know how things have gone in the past with with guys who win and then play that next week um it could be done i'm not saying it it can't but just normally it just doesn't happen right so let's uh let's talk some uh week four predictions Yeah, we go man it was not a good week for me. It was actually a catastrophe. Nothing less. Nothing less. Had my worst week ever. Went five and five. How about you? Well, I didn't go five hundred. I
1: went above five (laughs) hundred. Rub Yay. it in, rub it in. Yay for me, I went uh, a grand six and four. I, I I managed to go a little bit over five hundred. Pushes my overall record to I believe it's twenty one and eleven on the year, so just trying to figure it out. Just trying to figure out the area and all that. But I did okay. Um, yeah, no had worries. the
0: had the shocker and, and peddling and all that kinda Yeah. That was one of the games I missed. Um Northeast South Jones, I miss West Jones Wayne County, I missed. I think games that that most people probably missed. That was picking this week. Uh, we'll kind of go into some of those scores. Uh, just kind of brush over them from Friday night. Had Northeast Jones picking up a win over South Jones in a county rivalry, forty-eight to twenty-three. It was actually the first win for the Tigers over the Braves since two thousand and fourteen, and their first win over a larger larger classification since 2015, when they had the, I think it was a 15 to seven, 15 to eight win over West Jones. Uh, We mentioned it already, Uh, Laurel stuns pedal 21 to 14. Taylorsville smashes Seminary 40 to six. West Jones with a big win over Wayne County, 31 to 10. Bay Springs beats uh, Raleigh 30 to six. Mice stomps all over Bogachtta 47 to three. They improved to I believe four and0 on the year. Uh, big big win for mice uh, as they they're continuing to roll. You have Lumberton uh, beating stringer 41 to 7. Heidelberg blank Newton 20 to zero. Wayne Academy beat Newton County Academy. 40 to 7, and then last but not least, uh, Winston Academy defeated Civil Bay Academy 35 to 7. What were some of your scores last Friday night?
1: Yeah, a few of mine were Oak Grove and Hattiesburg. Oak Grove won that game 42 to 34. Um, Really, I think a lot of people expected Grove to win this by a bigger, bigger margin, but talking to Causey yesterday, he said that Hattiesburg played their best game and they looked a lot better, looked a lot more focused. So, you know, even though Hattiesburg lost, I feel like they're coming along and they're finally getting an identity. I spoke with, with Vance just for a minute. Uh, he was getting his players ready yesterday. For practice, and he said they're starting to find a groove. So uh, excited to see, even though is only three. Excited to see the direction they're heading. Seemingly, uh, obviously we mentioned Pedal, Yancey County uh, defeated North Forest thirty-two to six. Taylorsville defeated Seminary forty to six. Salem defeated Sacred Heart twenty-six to nineteen. Purvis got the first win of the year over Perry Central twenty-seven to eight. Collins got their first win of the year also over. Mid- Hall 22 to 20, Clarkdale defeated Mount Olive in a close one, 20 to 14. Of the game, I was at the the juggernaut.
0: <laughs> you know, I was following that, that game on Twitter as he was tweeting about it, and I was thinking to myself, especially at the end of the game, I was like, "How in the world is he going to write a story on a three to zero final? How did you do it?
1: A lot of quotes. <laughs> I got a lot of quotes from Derek White. Bit. Uh, yeah, Prince Christian defeated Summerall three to nothing. Uh, Derek White, I just, I just want to say, he really impressed me with how how many compliments he gave Summerall. We talked about this last week. Summerall was beat up there in that Northeast Jones almost situation where they were right. beat up, and. Um, uh, White was really complimentary of of them and how their defense played, and uh, he went over there to their huddle and and talked to them for a minute, uh, kind of gave them a pep talk. But man, you know, I, I wrote about it in my in my opener. Uh, the recap how, you know, if you looked at this score and just saw three zero, you'd think this was a snooze fest, but it wasn't. Every time a team would get a little bit of momentum, one defense would step up, there would be a fumble or interception force, you know, something like that, a turnover, that, that would give them back. So, it was a hard-fought game. Um, spoke with the kicker who kicked the, who kicked the field goal to win the game, and he was like, I was so nervous walking out there on the field. I, I figured this was going to be it. So, um, but yeah prince christian defeated summer all three nothing and then west marion i defeated forest county ag 47 to seven
0: so that brings us to week five otherwise known as bi-week, bi-week yeah we have uh laurel west jones wayne county Pedal, and uh forest county agriculture high school with bi-weeks this week let's talk about bi-weeks and, and how how we feel like they should be approached and, and and before we talk about that let me play a clip because i asked uh scott pearson head coach at west johns high school yesterday about how he approaches bi-week and here's what he said and i'll tell you everybody does it different but what i don't want to change is, is practice and work but what we do change is our first-tier guys get less reps more individual more teaching and our twos and threes get a lot more coaching and a lot more reps so it's a week where you can kind of heal your frontline guys and let the next guy up get quality reps instead of just resting reps. And maybe down the road in week seven or eight, you're not scared to put them in there because they might have to make a big play for you later on because the guy you're counting on is unavailable. So that's pretty much what we do this week: is 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 high rep the twos and
1: threes, let the
0: ones rest, and make sure the ones get the individual work so they still stay sharp. Of course, I would get an ESPN alert in the middle of. Fantasy football. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So, you know, that's kind of, I asked Pearson, I said, you know, how do you approach a bye week? And I said, do you use that first week to kind of focus on yourself, getting yourself better? Or do you go ahead and start focusing on your opponent that's almost two weeks away? And that's when he said, you know, for them, he felt like the best way, uh, not saying that his way is the best, but he felt the best way for them to approach it was to give uh, their kind of starters a little break during this week maybe don't go as hard as they would normally go during a a game week but you know give those two and three guys uh, at each position a chance to you know, get some reps and practice and, and, and teach them, you know, let this be a teachable moment week where, you know, it's, it's almost like you're adding another week of practice at the beginning of the season where you're able to teach and you're able to do this and that um, that you're not able to do as much when you get finished with the game on Friday night and then you're having to prepare immediately for yeah. the team that you play next Friday night. So that that's the way that, that Pearson does it. Uh, What do you think is, for you, what is is the way to to approach a bi-week?
1: Well, I think I, I agree with Pearson a lot here because you have to find that balance between rest and staying focused. And I like what he said. You want to give your backups your twos and threes. If you have threes, you want to give your backups time to get some experience and practice and get those first team reps. And on the same thing, you want to give your first team a little bit of chance to rest and relax, at least on the field. Maybe not in the film room, obviously. Right. But on the field
0: practicing. So, so I tend to agree with that. Uh, how about you? You know, for me, I think it varies from team to team. Like I said, you know, for Scott Pearson, that's what works well for him. And like I said, not that it's a right or wrong way. I think it it just depends on the team. I think if you let's take Laurel and West Jones, for example, if they were to play week one of Region Three Five A when when that when that region play starts, if right. they were playing each other and you knew that this game against your opponent would pretty much be the game that decided the region, decided playoff seedings, I think you would approach it a little bit different, or at least I would. You would approach that game as, you know, I want my team to be focused on this upcoming opponent for two weeks. Right. Whether it's more time in the film room, it's more time out on the practice field getting ready for that opponent kind of running through I won't say running through the motions because that sounds like a bad thing, but, but running through the plays, running through what the defense is going to, the looks the defense is going to give you so that by the time you get to that game, that big, big game for your team, a must-win game, you're you're well acclimated with 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 that game and what, what to expect and what you're going to do. Because um, like I said, it would be a big game for you. But in the instance of, west john's playing brookhaven which you know brookhaven's been pretty good in years past this year they're not that great and it's not a game that's going to decide so much of number one or number two you can take this week to you know give your second and third string some some reps Um, so there like i said there's no right or wrong reason i just think it depends on the team you have how well the year is going uh, and all that to determine maybe how you approach the bye week. The good thing for Laurel and West Jones is they're sitting in ideal positions heading into bye week. Laurel beats or stuns Six A Pedal twenty-one to fourteen. They're three and one on the season. Everything's kind of going in their direction at this point in time. You enter bye week, you're in a great position. West Jones, hey, even better. You're four four and on the season. You just beat your rival Wayne County a team that's in 5A, a team that you might have to later on see in the playoffs. You come off of a big win. You're undefeated on the season. You're not injured as much. Uh, so I, I think, you know, those two teams are, are in pretty good positions as Wayne County, Petal, Forest County. You may not be in that ideal position. Right, because you you look at like you just
1: said, Laurel plays South Jones to open up. Uh, display And say this kind of like with Brookhaven, South Jones is a little bit, probably a little bit worse than what they were last year. You know, they're going through some injuries or
0: anything and stuff like that. A lot that. of injuries. I talked to, I talked to Coach uh, before the Northeast Jones game, and he told me, um, you know, they're, they're kind of in that position that Northeast Jones was a couple of years ago where they're dealing with a lot of injuries. I think he said he had at least nine guys that, that were playing – at the beginning of the season, out with injuries. And, and you know, it, that takes a toll on the team. Right. So not that South Jones is, I wouldn't say maybe not as good as they were last year. I think they're just dealing with a lot more this year yeah. than they were last year. Yeah, that,
1: the injuries, you know, you lose some senior leadership there. So it's, it's a different team. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, you you look at that and you look at West Jones playing Brookhaven. And then you look at Petal, who comes off a stunning loss. Uh, A lot of things to work on. You know, our player of the week, uh, DeCarlo's Nicholson, was like 7 of 23 or 7 of 28. Didn't have his best game against Laurel. So, they've got two weeks to prepare for Pearl, who's 3 of 1, and who's a really good team. Pearl is a really, really good team. So, for Marcus Bowles, I think for him, he's got to get his team – compose and say, look, yeah. the world's not falling apart just because we lost the Laurel. And we've talked, to, we've, we've talked to enough coaches, most of them use this as, okay, there's three parts to a season. Yeah. First part's non-district play, second part is district play, third part's playoffs. You want to get to that third part, but when you get to part two, you're back zero, zero. So, you know, for, for pedal, It's getting his team probably composed, getting them ready to play, going to district play, it's a tough opponent. And then you got Forest County Ag, they've only won one game this year. I believe it was week one, they opened up and won won that game. And they're reeling off the losses. So, you know, this is a chance to kind of evaluate and get his team composed too to say, all right, we had a tough non-district schedule Let's get in the district. Let's get our minds right and see where we stand. So, you know, uh, there are different approaches. Uh, obviously, if I had to pick, I, I think is right on yeah. with, with his yeah. approach.
0: Well, uh, obviously, these just a few teams that are on bye weeks this week. We had one, two, three, four, five teams that are on bye weeks. Uh, but still plenty of games going on this week. Uh, Friday night, I will be at Collins. Where Taylor'sville four and will face Collins one and three. You know this this game was a must see at the beginning of the season, um, but with Collins kind of losing their quarterback to I believe it's an ACL injury, yeah, fair if I'm not mistaken. Um, as far as we know, um, he's not he won't be returning this season. So you know this was a college team, Collins team that's kind of poised to to do really well in two A this year, and and obviously when you lose a quarterback. That's uh, a that's a big hit on your team, and you know, I talked to Mitch Evans at Taylorsville the other day, and he he even talked about him, man, I know what they're going through because I've been there. You know, last year in a two a state title game against Scott Central, he couldn't play his best quarterback because right. he was on the sidelines injured. So he kind of he's been there, he he knows how it feels. So, but he still believes that Collins is going to give him you know, give them a good game. They always play them pretty hard. So that's where I'll be Friday night. Uh, What about you? I will be at
1: Purvis. I'm excited for this game for a couple of reasons. One, is I get to see Purvis who by the looks of things getting better. Uh, they had a close loss a couple of weeks ago, like 39, 36, something like that. Uh, really had a chance to win that game. And then they got their win last week. Uh, Perry Central beat them uh, by a couple of scores. And then uh, Northeast Jones is coming in to visit. Man, and I, I'm excited because I get to see uh, Coach Braddock really, really respect that guy. And uh, he's always been really good. It's, it's he's a fun coach to be around. It's he really is. And he, he really uh, – he really gives you insightful stuff whenever you ask right. him, you know, do anything he can for you. And, and for a media guy, uh, you know, just a few years ago who's young and really didn't know what I was doing, uh, it was really good to have, have a coach there that was like uh, anything you need, you know. Right. And I think that's the way he's always been It seems like. So uh, I'm really excited for that. I picked Purvis to win this game, uh,
0: but I feel like it could go either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked Northeast Jones. I believe uh, after seeing their two running backs, uh, Ducksworth and Barnes, uh, both of them combined for like three, 370-something yards of, of offense on the ground between those two and five touchdowns. I feel like if they can have another game like they did against South Jones last week, I think they'll do all right in this game. I actually got them picked to win. I believe twenty eight to twenty seven, if I'm not mistaken. I think it'll be a close game, um, and I'm I'm kind of hoping that, that the team that showed up last week will show up this week. And and if so, I think Northeast Jones gets the win in this game. Uh, a couple of other games to mention that will be going on in my area this Friday night. You got Bay Springs at Pila a pretty good two a Battle going on there. Uh, it's not district play, but it is two 2A two teams kind of going at it uh, with each other. And then you got Northeast Lauderdale coming to Heidelberg, St. Andrews Episcopal going to Mize. Mize is looking for their fifth win of the season, hoping to remain undefeated. Uh, Really good team this year. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people in 2A if they haven't already. Then, of course, we mentioned Northeast Johns at Purvis, Raleigh at Seminary, Van Cleve at South Jones, Salem at Stringer, Civil Bay at Benton Academy, and Presbyterian Christian at Wayne Academy. Uh, What other games you got going on Friday night in your area, Kevin? Uh, I have a couple that you
1: mentioned uh, that I'm going to go ahead and mention too. Raleigh at Seminary. Uh, I'm excited to see how somebody responds after the tough loss, Taylorsville, Taylorsville at Collins. uh, Another game that I'm interested, Art Bishop, Rommel at Oak Grove. Uh, You you ever watched
0: Art Bishop? You know, I I haven't seen uh, them play. I know they came to Wayne County a couple years ago. I know for, I think it was, wasn't it televised? It was, it was on ESPN. Uh, Yeah. Um, I didn't, didn't get to see it, but I heard that it was a pretty
1: good game. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it, it was a really good game. And, and one thing, man, if, if you're listening to this and you're an a Grove fan, I'm just fair warning you Archbishop Rummel travels well. They, Wayne County has a pretty large stadium. And they filled it up. Art Bishop filled it up and they were walking around. They were great, great fans. Don't don't think that they aren't. They were they were great uh fans to to be around. I was actually on their sideline because ESPN and everybody being there. Uh, so I had just I had to shoot on that sideline. But uh, yeah, don't be surprised. You were just trying
0: was, to get on ESPN, didn't
1: you? I was. I even wore an <laughs> ESPN shirt. No, no, uh, but no, like it, it was great. It was Wayne County Championship year they were highlighting Benito Jones and there was somebody yeah. from Mark Bishop uh, who who's going on to play I think D1 ball now. Uh, but no, like th- that should be a good game and it'll be a good test for a group.
0: Well, I like when out-of-state teams come and play teams in Mississippi. I it, do it's too. always interesting to see you know teams in, in other states kind of come in and see what they got and what they have to offer for high school football. Right, so they're
1: 3-0. Uh, they've had, I, I don't know anything virtually about Louisiana uh, schools. I do know that they are undefeated though, right now. But I picked up Grove in this game because it seems like that Archbishop Ronald doesn't have that good of an offense. They've just scored 14, 16 points, stuff like that. Oh, wow. So, but they have one, So, um, which, which means they got a good defense. Yeah, right. They've got a great defense. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, you got Jeff Davis County uh, coming to Hattiesburg. Uh, that's gonna be great, Mancuso versus Vance. Uh, that'll be a fun game. Uh, then you got West Marion at Summerall. Uh, then you have Richden going to Sacred Heart. Resurrection Catholic, going to Mount Olive. Uh, is another game you mentioned, PCS at Wayne Academy. Pick PCS to win that game. And a close one, the Cardiac Cats, as Derek White <laughs> likes to call them. Uh, I picked them in a close one. Uh, then North Forest at Southeast Lauderdale. And you can see all of my predictions on sports601.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter and all that. They've been tweeted out, uh, so you can see that. So, uh, moving on Yes, to, let's talk a little Juco and college football. How about them, uh, J.C., J.C. – Well, not no, J.C., J.C., Jones Jay-C. College. Jones Brown, Brown. Mouch, yeah. Right.
0: How about them? They, they, they played Presley well against Hines. <clears throat> if they play the way they did against Hines this coming Thursday night against Gulf Coast, it wouldn't surprise me if they beat the number one team in the nation. No, number fourteen. Number Excuse me. <laughs> Not <laughs> that much of a difference. Not, Not four too much. One. Yeah. Not too much. But it, I I I mean that. I really do mean that. It, it. They showed that they have reeled away from that loss in week one to Kahama. Um, just incredible showing they did against against Hines and and if that team shows up against Gulf Coast, don't be surprised if Jones wins that game. Uh, Jones is ranked 13th in the nation. Gulf Coast ranked. Four, uh, you got a game for yeah. your Juco team, right?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, Pearl River goes to East Central. Uh, East Central comes in that game two and one. PRCC uh, will head to East Central one and two. Uh, PRCC looking to rebound. Uh, they had a tough loss against Colen. Um The quarterback for Colleen. He was just something else. He threw like three or four touchdowns in the first half. Uh if he really he really took took his toll on uh the PRCC defense. But, you know, Pearl River, they can go to East Central, get a win, get back to five hundred, correct things, get things back on track. That would be great for them. Uh then Saturday we have SEC football yeah. and uh Golden Eagles,
0: they're traveling to an SEC team. The number one team in the nation, the
1: juggernaut, the Bama. Alabama. And it's an 11 o'clock game.
0: Oh, Oh, man. Uh, Uh, I I guess I just want to watch this game early on to, to kind of see Nick Saban's face when he looks over to the student section and sees that it's not packed for this game.
1: Well, it might be packed. Golden Eagle Nation could take it over. They could take over the student section. Yep, it's not that not that long of a travel.
0: It's not considering right. the other teams you you may play. Right.
1: So here's so. so here's my advice, James. Here is Kevin Lindsay's advice. If you want to go see the number one team in the nation, here you go. So what you do is you go to Tuscaloosa. You you get there. You enjoy the campus. Great campus, even though I'm not an Alabama fan. I gotta give them the props. You hope and you pray that everybody from Southern Miss, all the players, come out of there healthy. You hope that they score a couple of touchdowns. And you hope that you get out of there, okay? And then you go to Dreamland and get you some barbecue and you get happy (laughs) and shake off the disappointment because Southern Miss probably is not gonna win that game. But most importantly, you don't panic.
0: Not to like jump on a crazy train or anything, but when's the last time um, Southern Miss has beat a top five team, say?
1: So the last time Southern Miss beat a top ten team was against number seven, Houston, in 2011. That's important. Tracy Lampley uh, had a kick of a game. Uh, Pretty sure Austin Davis was the quarterback of that game. Uh, But they beat Houston. Uh, they also have played the number one team, but it's been a long time. And guess who it was? Anybody? Uh, my pick was Notre Dame, but I know I'm wrong. It's Alabama. Okay. They, they played them in 1979, lost 42-7. And okay. the highest ranked team they played since then was number two, Florida, in 97. So, um it's been a while since since they played it. Uh, we what, were talking. To, yeah what what year was their big win over Florida State? It's been a while. Collier was the Randy Collier was the quarterback because okay. they went on to beat Mississippi State and Florida State, if
0: I'm not mistaken, back to back. Well, that I, was that run where Southern Miss was. I mean, I think what twelve to two. Yeah. In that rivalry, at Mississippi State just kind of dominated that series and right. Obviously, it's not that way anymore, but, man, they had some good teams back in the day. Definitely. So, you know, Southern, like I said, come out
1: of there healthy, have a good showing, let Jack Abraham, you know, get some reps in. And, uh, you know, I've heard from uh, some of the Southern men's defensive backs that they're just excited to, to cover, to be able to cover, like Jerry Judy and those guys, yeah. and just see
0: where they stack up, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so. Yes, yeah, it's definitely going to be a good game to kind of see – you know, you're playing the top, I mean, literally, the top guys in the nation, all the top recruits, not all of them, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The top recruits in the nation, they want to go to Alabama, they want to go play there. So, the product that Alabama puts on the field is one of the best, if not, obviously, right now, everybody's saying the best because they're ranked number one in the nation. But, you know, it, it, it'd be good to see how you stack up against those five. Five stars. Yeah. And a couple of four stars. Right.
1: I mean, anything can happen.
0: But, you know, like I said, Southern
1: Southern Miss fans shouldn't panic, you know, if if they lose this game, you know, they, they shouldn't.
0: Yeah, no uh, doubt. Well, be sure to check us out on sports601.com for all your high school, JUCO, and college sports updates, articles, photos, and videos. Until next week, we'll see you on the field. Be safe, guys.